like. And being recognized and challenged by his fellow tradesmen, whom he stopped in his character of the captain, gallantly shot him through the head and rode away. The mail was waylaid by seven robbers, and the guard shot three dead, and then got shot dead himself by the other four, in consequence of the failure of his ammunition, after which the mail was robbed in peace. That magnificent potentate, the Lord Mayor of London, was made to stand and deliver on Turnham Green by one highwayman who despoiled the illustrious creature in sight of all his retinue. Prisoners in London jails fought battles with their turnkeys, and the majesty of the law fired blunderbusses in among them, loaded with rounds of shot and ball. Thieves snipped off diamond crosses from the necks of noble lords at court drawing-rooms, musketeers went into St. Giles to search for contraband goods, and the mob fired on the musketeers, and the musketeers fired on the mob, and nobody thought any of these occurrences much out of the common way. In the midst of them the hangman, ever busy and ever worse than useless, was in constant requisition. Now stringing up long rows of miscellaneous criminals, now hanging a housebreaker on Saturday who had been taken on Tuesday, now burning people in the hand at Newgate by the dozen, and now burning pamphlets at the door of Westminster Hall, today taking the life of an atrocious murderer, and tomorrow of a wretched pilferer who had robbed a farmer's boy at sixpence. All these things and a thousand like them came to pass in and close upon the dear old year 1775. Environed by them, while the woodman and the farmer worked unheeded, those two on the large jaws and those other two of the plain and the fair faces trod with stir enough, and carried their divine rights with a high hand. Thus did the year 1775 conduct their greatnesses, and myriads of small creatures, the creatures of this chronicle among the rest, along the roads that lay before them. 2. The Mail It was the Dover Road that lay on a Friday night late in November before the first of the persons with whom this history has business. The Dover Road lay as to him beyond the Dover Mail as it lumbered up Shooter's Hill. He walked uphill in the mire by the side of the mail, as the rest of the passengers did, not because they had the least relish for walking exercise under the circumstances, but because the hill and the harness and the mud and the mail were all so heavy that the horses had three times already come to a stop, besides once drawing the coach across the road with the mutinous intent of taking it back to Blackheath. Reins and whip and coachman and guard, however, in combination, had read that article of war which forbade a purpose otherwise strongly in favor of the argument that some brute animals are endued with reason, and the team had capitulated in return to their duty. With drooping heads and tremulous tails they mashed their way through the thick mud, floundering and stumbling between whiles as if they were falling to pieces at the larger joints. As often as the driver rested them and brought them to a stand with a wary, Whoa-ho, so-ho, then. The near leader violently shook his head, and everything upon it, like an unusually emphatic horse, denying that the coach could be got up the hill. Whenever the leader made this rattle, the passenger started, as a nervous passenger might, and was disturbed in mind. There was a steaming mist in all the hollows, and it had roamed in its forlornness up the hill, like an evil spirit seeking rest and finding none. 
A clammy and intensely cold mist, it made its slow way through the air in ripples that visibly followed and overspread one another as the waves of an unwholesome sea might do. It was dense enough to shut out everything from the light of the coach lamps but these its own workings and a few yards of road, and the reek of the laboring horses steamed into it as if they had made it all. Two other passengers besides the one were plodding up the hill by the side of the mail. All three were wrapped to the cheekbones and over the ears and wore jackboots. Not one of the three could have said from anything he saw what either of the other two was like. And each was hidden under almost as many wrappers from the eyes of the mind as from the eyes of the body of his two companions. In those days travellers were very shy of being confidential on a short notice, for anybody on the road might be a robber or in league with robbers. As to the latter, when every posting house and ale house could produce somebody in the captain's pay, ranging from the landlord to the lowest stable nondescript, it was the likeliest thing upon the cards. So the guard of the Dover Mail thought to himself, that Friday night in November, 1775, lumbering up Shooter's Hill, as he stood on his own particular perch behind the mail, beating his feet and keeping an eye and a hand on the armchest before him, where a loaded blunderbuss lay at the top of six or eight loaded horse pistols, deposited on a substratum of cutlass. The Dover mail was in its usual genial position, that the guard suspected the passengers, the passengers suspected one another and the guard, they all suspected everybody else, and the coachman was sure of nothing but the horses, as to which cattle he could with a clear conscience have taken his oath on the two testaments that they were not fit for the journey. Well, ho, said the coachman, so then, one more pull and you're at the top of